All right, we're continuing on with our journey through the book of Joshua. Now, John wants us to study the book of Joshua from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of the moon, that is, the son re-sprouted, born again, a man in whom the Ruach HaKodesh is. Collectively, we're speaking of those who have went through their wilderness experience and have endured his tests and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have borne the whoredom of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is, their flesh man, and his lust broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they are no longer fleshly or worldly, but are now reborn spiritually via the water of the word of, and of the Ruach HaKodesh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia. Those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel will learn how they to enter into the kingdom, what to expect once in, as well as how to proceed once in. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land. How the land came to speak to the kingdom of Elohim within you. And how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, the demons, the devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believer. So, we're going to pick it up in Joshua. We started a recap last week. Didn't quite get through it. You know, so we're still recapping. All right, so it's important to note that Jericho, it's important to know that Jericho's first battle, his first battle kingdom side of the Jordan with Joshua, that is the body of um, Yahushua as their leader. So Jericho's the first battle kingdom side of the Jordan, you know, uh, with Joshua as their leader, as their leader. So this is their first battle that Joshua led, you know, um, with Joshua as their leader, and it's their first battle in the kingdom of Elohim. This is Yah's way of telling us that the, um, to defeat, the defeat of um, spiritual Jericho is the number one city or number one doctrine. Within scripture, cities represent doctrines, you know. So this is Yah's way of telling us this is the number one doctrine we're to overcome after we've been circumcised and after we've partaken of the Passover lamb, i.e. Yahushua. You know, so let us consider that Jericho is located within the, the Jordan Valley about six to eight miles north of the Dead Sea. That is the lowest point on earth, thereby making Jericho the lowest inhabited city in the world. That is the city that's closest to death. You know, and just right up the way from the Dead Sea. You know, so... Um, I think that's pretty revelatory in and of itself. The city's name, Jericho, teaches us that the city's character, authority, and reputation. Jericho uh, is defined as its moon or its month. Now, there's nothing that has a moon outside of the night. Neither is there anything that has a lunation outside of a lunar month. And nothing has lunar months but lunar calendars and solar, cal solar lunar calendars. You know, so... Jericho is also depicted spiritually as a city of palm trees. This teaches us that Jericho's doctrine have a form of perception of righteousness within it. So its name tells us that it has something to do with the calendar. It has something to do with lunations, with lunar months. 
you know, and it being called a city of palm trees in scripture tells us that it has a a form of perception. This doctrine has a form of perception of righteousness within it. And Jericho's location being within the promised land of Canaan, i.e. the kingdom of Elohim, teaches us that this doctrine is within each and every one of us. So this is something that is has become quite prevalent, you know, and have reached, you know, all of y'all's people. Now the walls of Jericho teaches us that this doctrine's greatest defense is this unified front. Because that's all a wall is, pretty much. You know, and it is apparent that from this, that if we're going to overcome this city of giants, that is, this doctrine of giants, we're going to first have to get past this wall. That is, we're going to have to get past this uniform front. Now, to be clear, Scripture paints a picture of Jericho representing a religious um, calendrical doctrine that incorporates lunations or months within its years. For example, the Hillel and the Hizri um, calendars. Both religious calendars still in use today. Both use uh, lunar months. And just how are we to overcome such a formidable foe? According to Joshua chapter 6, it's only with the sword of Elohim. That is, the word of Elohim. You know, uh, and let's see. Got my first me to read Joshua 6, 2 through 5, please. And Yahuwah said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Hallelujah. Okay, so this is literally the word of Elohim that will be utilized to overthrow Jericho. Is it not? You know, now remember, Ephesians 6.17 teaches us the sword of the, of the Ruach is the word of Elohim. You know, and so... This is the sword that will be utilized to defeat Jericho, to get past its walls, and to defeat its inhabitants. Now, even as Ephesians 6, 17 says, the sword of the Ruach is the word of Elohim. So where did this sword that Joshua is going to use to overcome Jericho, where did it come from? Let's consider Joshua 5, 13 through 15. It says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of Yahuwah am I now come. 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Adonai unto his servant? And the captain of Yahuwah's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the question is, can you see that the angel's sword that was drawn against Jericho was actually the word of Elohim given to Joshua concerning Israel, concerning how they were to defeat Jericho. This was a sword that was put into Joshua's hands that we read about in chapter 6. Now, I have a question. Now, we see that this sword truly did come from one of Yah's spirits, one of his spiritual um, angels. But I have, a, I have a question. What do you think would have happened if, if Israel decided not to follow Yah's instructions? They wouldn't have defeated Jericho, would they? Now, this seems, you know, somewhat simple. Nevertheless, <laughs> people choose to do Yah the way they want to do Yah. Mm -hmm. And don't follow his instructions. And think they're still good. People think it's okay to do whatever they whatever it is that they want to do. In opposition and and, and sometimes straight up contradicting what Yah said. And think they're still good. You know, it's pretty self-evident. It's pretty apparent that if Israel did not follow these instructions, they would not have defeated Jericho. That's right. They would not have defeated the city of giants. The walls of Jericho were said to be six feet thick. The tower's 30 feet high. They would have not defeated Jericho. But Yah. And but Yah doesn't work unless you do it his way. And just where did... Um, I think I just did that, didn't I? Okay, let us consider the intricacies of how Israel's... Um, how Israel was to defeat Jericho. You know, Joshua 6, 7 said, And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark. Mm -hmm. So those that are armed were to pass on before the ark. Now hereby we learn that those Israelites who are armed with Yah's word must lead the crusade. Mm -hmm. This is simply a picture of Yah's prophets, mm -hmm. for they're the first to receive Yah's word. Mm -hmm. Even as Joshua was the first to receive Yah's word on how to overcome Jericho. Y'all do know Joshua was a prophet, right? right. All right. All right. So, yes. So, he was the first one to receive Yah's word. You know, Amos 3.7 speaks to this as well. It says, surely the Adonai Yahuwah will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. You know, and so he did, and so he does. Joshua 6, 8, 
says, And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before Yahuwah and blew with the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of Yahuwah followed them. You know, now, I would have you know that to blow a trumpet could symbolize one just lifting up their voice. As we see in Isaiah 58.1, it says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Yaakov their sins. Now this teaches us that the prophets are to take the message to the priests. Even as we see Joshua doing, in this case concerning Jericho. So after after he received the sword, after he received the word from the captain of Yahuwah's host, he in turn went and spoke to the priest, did he not? He gave it to the priest, and then the priest, you know, began to, to follow up on it. And they began to lift up their voices like trumpets. And then they would in turn share it with all that followed now, it's important that we see this order because this is, you know, this battle, this is the first battle. And so it's recorded so that we might know how to fight. So we might know how to fight our enemies in within the kingdom. You know, and so we see Jericho, uh, in Yahshua doing justice concerning Jericho. He received the sword from, from the captain of the host. He went and he gave the word unto the priest and the priest got to blowing their trumpets. They got to lifting up their voices. They got to warning the people and telling them about what was to come. And it says, after that, and the ark of the covenant of Yahuwah followed them. You know, so now imagine this if you would. Out front, you have the armed men, right? So that's a picture of the prophets. They have the swords. The sword is what? The word of Elohim. So they have they have the swords. They have the word of Elohim. They're out front. They in turn share that word of Elohim with the priests. And the priests lift up their trumpets and share it with all that follow. This is the order in which the attack must be led. You know, the Ark of the Covenant of Yahuwah was a symbol of his presence, of Yah's presence. Consider the following. Let me have my um, first reader read 1 Samuel 5, 2 through 4, please. When the Philistines took the Ark of Elohim, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of Yahuwah. And they took Dagon and set him in the place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of Yahuwah. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off before the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. 
Hallelujah. I pray this is sufficient to see that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't just an artifact. You know, they took it and they put it in the temple of Dagon. And when they arose, Dagon was falling on his faith before the Ark of Yahoo. See, because you can't put Yah no place that another God is. You can't put him any place where another God is and that God doesn't bow down. Whatever other God you put Yah in, that God must bow. Because Yah is the El of Elohim. He's the God of gods. Amen. You know, and every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. You know, so you can't put a lesser God before a greater God without that lesser God submitting to the greater. And that's just what you see here. They figured it out before it was over and they, they took that ark back. <laughs> here it is. It was, it was all gold too. You know, like, oh, y'all can have this back. Please take it. You know, <laughs> please take it. They sent it right on back home. You know, and Yah had the oxen take it straight to him. You know, so that it wouldn't be no ifs, ands, or buts as to who was doing it. So understand that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Elohim, represents the presence of Elohim. So when you see them carrying the Ark, you're seeing them carrying his presence. It's just a picture of the priest with the Ruach HaKodesh upon him. It's just a picture of the priest with the presence of Elohim upon him. This is why they were told to carry it upon their shoulders. What's upon your shoulders? Your head. So it's just a picture of the presence of Elohim being upon your head, upon your mind, within your holy or holy of holies. Amen. Amen. You know, so Joshua 6 9 says the iron man went before the priest that blew with the trumpets, and the re reward came after the ark. The priest going on and the blowing with the trumpets. This word re reward is asaph. Number 622 means to gather for any purpose. Hence to receive, to take away, that is to remove, to destroy, to leave behind, etc. You know, and they were there gathered. To destroy Jericho. Amen. Amen. You know, and so they came behind the Ark of the Covenant. They came behind the priest carrying the Ark and they came behind the trumpeters. You know, and so the progression is the prophets received Yah's word, they shared with the priests. The priests that have Yah, you know, Yah's presence, you know, they announce it to the re-reward, to the gathering of Israel that follows behind them. Okay. Um, I don't think that's supposed to be there. Somehow my slides got mixed up again. Hallelujah. 
Alright, uh, let me see. Where did we leave off? Nine, so pick it up with ten. Let me have my next video read Joshua 6, 10, and 11, then jump down to Joshua 6, 14. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out your mouth until the day I bid you shout, and then ye shout. So the ark of Yahuwah compassed the city going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So did six days. Okay, this teaches us that Israel is to quietly work to expose every aspect of the evil doctrine by having Yahushua's priests, which bear the presence of Elohim and his prophets, who has his word, compass about the doctrine and consider it from every angle. And this is what this picture is painting. It's painting the prophets as well as the priests, you know, viewing and going round and round this this uh, evil doctrine with the Ruach HaKodesh and with the word of Elohim. Now, whilst this investigation is underway, no one is to say anything to the inhabitants of the doctrine. Nevertheless, the priests are to forewarn the Israelites that followed them concerning the evil doctrine. So they know that it's under investigation. They know that it's seeking to be overthrown. Verses 15 and 16, my next reader, please. It's the book of Joshua. It's the book of Joshua, chapter 6, verse 15. <clears throat> and it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and could pass the city after the same manner seven times only. On that day, they could pass the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for Yahuwah had given you the city, and the city shall be assured, even it, and all that they are therein to Yahuwah. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Hallelujah. Alright, so the very day that the priests and the prophets finished their investigation concerning the evil doctrine and have rested from their work, the priests has given their um, final when the priests have given their final warning, then all of Israel is to shout. For Yah has given Israel victory over the evil doctrine. Now, we learn from this verse that only those of Rahab's house, that is only those which has have the courage, the faith, and the room in their hearts to receive Israel's messengers and or their message and safe keep them will be saved from this evil doctrine. You know, and that's an important tidbit to remember. But I also want to point out verse 17. It says, The city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein. You know, this city is what Israel will call put under the ban. You know, 
meaning that this city was was accursed and everything that was in it it was accursed you know and I want to point this out because I want you to, to understand that there's there's some there's something called forbidden knowledge there's some doctrine some information that are cursed that you shouldn't deal with that you shouldn't learn that you shouldn't become knowledgeable of that you should shy away from you know I know today a lot of people you know want to hear about everything and they want to learn everything the good the bad and the ugly well I'm here to tell you the the bad and the ugly sometimes is accursed and sometimes just from having the literature in your house can bring a curse. You know, sometimes just dealing with someone, you know, that is in that doctrine can bring a curse. Or receiving something from them can bring a curse. You know, so please understand. Everything that was in the city was accursed. You know, so this tells us that there's some information out here that's that's straight up accursed. There's such thing as forbidden knowledge, just like we had the, um, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was forbidden, but it looked good. It was forbidden. But it sounded good too. Mm -hmm. It was forbidden. But it was pleasant to the eyes. Please understand. Don't fall for the same thing that our predecessors fell for. Mm -hmm. This is why we have scripture. So that we'll know what's going to happen. But not fall victim to it the way our predecessors did. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Verses 18, verses 18 and 19, my next reader, please. Joshua 6, 18. And yet, in any ways, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto Yahweh. They shall come into the treasury of Yahweh. Hallelujah. Thank you. So, in, in, in accord with what I was saying, you know, we're, we're, we're forewarned to keep ourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed. Don't think that because you follow Yahshua, you can't become accursed. Mm, say that again. Don't think that because you're in the faith that you can't be accursed. Mm -hmm. You absolutely can. So hereby we learn that once the evil doctrine has been exposed and conquered and everything gained from the evil doctrine becomes accursed and should be dedicated to Yahuwah, 
it is not safe for the individuals of Israel to prosper from it. You know, so you can have an evil doctrine once you understand that the evil doctrine is accursed. You're not to gain from it. You're not to prosper from it. You know, and, and so that that's 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 some that's that's pretty big. That's that's pretty important. Um, you know, you know, for instance, you know, I'm gonna give give an example. Say for instance that, you know, found out we found out that the prosperity gospel was accursed. I'm not saying that it is, I'm just hypothetically speaking. Let's say that it was. Let's say God gave us the victory over it. Amen. Now that he's given us the victory over it, we're supposed to destroy it from, from our lives. We're not to prosper from it. So say, for instance, that, you know, that was the case with myself. And then I decided, well, I'm going to become a prosperity preacher. You know, so that I can prosper from it. <laughs> you know, I would become accursed. Can you see that? You know, so I pray that, you know, that, that I'm making the point. Now, take note that Jericho is... As many other cities within the kingdom of Elohim has a king that reigns over it. These kings symbolize truths. And we're going to go through a lot of kings. But I want you to understand that they symbolize truths even as the king of kings is a symbol of truth. So are the lesser kings symbols of truth. Consider Revelation 17, 14. It says, These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. They that are with him are called the chosen and faithful. And also Revelation 19, 16, it says, he, and he have on a vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we see Yahshua is the King of Kings. Yeah. You know, and in consider Yochanan 14, 6, it says, Yahushua saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so we see that he is also the truth. And that's what these kings represent, even as he represents the truth. You know, and so these kings represent truths. Now, please understand that truths can be utilized in ways that are evil or harmful, such as the ways in which they are spoken, you know, i.e. arrogantly, sarcastically, deceptively, ignorantly, condemningly, etc., you know, you can use a truth and beat somebody over the head with it. Mm -hmm. Now, truth can also be used to support evil or harmful doctrines, such as in the case of Jericho. Yes, it's true that there's such thing as lunar months. And it's true that lunar months have been used in many, if not most, religious calendars of antiquity. Yet, that doesn't mean that lunar months are to account for the months of Yahuwah's holy calendar. You know, this is just a couple of examples of how truths can be used destructively. It is the destructive uses of truths that these wicked kings of the kingdom of Elohim represent. You know, and 
it's more common than you may think. It's a lot of truths that get misused mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or used in a way that's harmful. Mm -hmm. And the wicked cities in which we read about, we're gonna, and as we're going to read about as we continue through this book of Joshua, as well as throughout scripture, the wicked cities in which these kings reign over symbolizes the various wicked doctrines that those truths support. You see, because the kingdom of Elohim is within you. And so you have all kind of truths that's within you. But you'll be naive if you think that you know how to use every truth appropriately. Or that every truth by you is being used appropriately or is being believed by you appropriately. <coughs> and this is what these battles depict. Overcoming the ones that aren't being utilized properly. And that are connected to erroneous doctrines or harmful doctrines even. You know, just like you can have a wicked city, but it may not necessarily be an evil city. Evil meaning harmful. But then you can have a wicked city that's also an evil city or a harmful city. Just because one is wicked doesn't mean they have to be harmful or evil. You follow me? You know, and so within that, you can see the difference between the cities that come under the ban and those that don't. Now, they still got to be done away with because we still have to inherit the land. But this is why some of them are accursed and some of them are. Mm -hmm. Never forget that there is a kingdom of Elohim within each and every one of us. Whether we obtain entrance and conquer the land we've inherited of Yahuwah, Elohim is dependent upon how receptive we are at receiving Yah's messengers and how well we follow their instructions. Just imagine if Joshua wouldn't receive, wouldn't have received the captain of the host of Yahuwah's, um, the captain of Yahuwah's host. Imagine if he wouldn't receive that message. Then, of course, they wouldn't have been able to follow their instructions and they wouldn't have been able to defeat Jericho. You see how that works? Yeah. Now let us consider how this first battle, kingdom side of the yard, compares against the first battle of the wilderness experience. Mm. See, because the way that this battle was fought is quite a bit different than the way the first battle of the wilderness was fought. Come on, clicker, you're messing up that. You know? <laughs> All right, so Israel's battle with Amalek. This was the first battle that that Yah's uh, people fought in the wilderness. Can you think of any differences between this battle and the battle of Jericho, the first battle in the kingdom? He got this word from the angel, and therefore he didn't lift up his hands like he's lifted up his. Well, they both got the word from um, from on high. Yeah, but, okay. 
So, but he had somebody to hold his hands up to win the battle, his arms up. Absolutely. That's a picture of what? A praise. Hallelujah. So, what we're saying, what's being said is the first battle, this battle here with Amalek. They were praising. This battle was won via praise. Whenever Moshe's hands came down, it didn't matter what they was doing down on the ground. It didn't matter how bad they were. It didn't matter how sharp their swords were. You know, it didn't matter what kind of kung fu they knew. <laughs> when Moshe's arms came down, they began to lose. As long as his arms stayed up, they would win. But the problem was, his arms was tired. <laughs> His arms got tired. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't keep holding them up. You know. But if he didn't hold them up. They would lose. You know. So this is a picture of winning the battle via praise. This is a picture of sometimes employing help to praise him. Because you don't got grown weary. You don't grown tired. So sometimes you need an errand. To bring light to the situation. Because Aaron's name means light bringer. So sometimes you need an Aaron to bring light to the situation. To help hold you up. And her, his name speaks to that which is white. Which is a symbol of righteousness. So sometimes you need a light bearer and a righteous one. To help hold you up. To help you praise through until you get the victory. You know, now, conversely, the Battle of Jericho, how was it won? How did they defeat the, the Jericho, what we're going to call them the Jericho Kites? <laughs> the Jericho Ites. All right. They followed the instructions. What instructions? That the angel gave them to them how to fight. Whose instructions were they? So what you call that? The word of Yahweh. The word of Elohim, absolutely. And the word of Elohim is a what? It's a sword. And this is how they defeated the enemies in the kingdom. They defeated them with the sword, with the word of Elohim. See, but the battle... In the wilderness was defeated, was won via praise. Can you see that? Can you see the difference? What other what other difference um, can you see between the two? Well, one had shouting. That's 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 true. But you know, Moshe he may have been shouting when his arms got tired. We don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How about with the battle in the wilderness, Israel was attacked. With the battle of Jericho, Israel was attacking. So in the wilderness, they were being attacked. In the kingdom, they were the attackers. Can you see the difference? Yeah. You know, so uh, Amalek 
attacked Israel when they were weary. Attacked them when they were down. Attacked them when they were in their low place. Amalek speaks to the valley dwellers. That's where they dwell. So whenever you're down, whenever you're feeling beat up on, whenever you're feeling like you can't go no further and you're feeling like everything else, everything is going wrong, then the Amalekites are attacking. Then you may be in the wilderness and the Amalekites are attacking. If that be the case, how do you win the battle? Hallelujah. Y'all catching on. You praise. You praise till you get the victory. You don't just praise and stop. You have to praise until you get the victory. Because whenever you let your arms down, you're going to begin to lose the battle. Amen? Amen. So you got to praise until you get the victory. Don't stop praising until you receive the victory. That's the key. You know... But with the Battle of Jericho, when you're on the attack, you have to use the sword. You have to use the word of Elohim. You can't use your word. You have to use the word of Elohim. That's the way this battle is won. And you have to follow Yah's instructions. While you're using the sword. You can't be in disobedience and use the sword. You can't. See Israel couldn't start climbing those walls. And, and, and jumping over the walls. And thinking they were going to win. Because that's not how y'all told them to do it. Even with their swords they would have died. They had. To be in obedience to the word of Elohim that they were using. Can't be a hypocrite. You have to use the word of Elohim in obedience. And that's how the battles within the kingdom is fought and won. You know, so when you're on the attack, you want to make certain that you got a word that came from a prophet. You want to make certain that you got a word that was given to the priest of Yahshua and that was trumpeted to all of Israel. You want to make certain that that word came from those who had the presence of Elohim. Not just someone who was just paying lip service. That's the word that you use. To get victory over your enemies in the kingdom. That's all I have for you today. Pray it was a blessing.